I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. Got it for three. Cougars by 20. Every Saturday, all year long. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans. For Cougar fans. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maimonte. On your legacy home of BYU Sports. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon, Cougar Nation. Happy New Year's Eve to all of you out there. We're coming to you live here from Broadcast House. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte, the final day of 2022. We'll look back on the year that was for BYU Athletics, and we'll also get to a bunch of news in the BYU football and BYU basketball worlds. The Cougars added a new quarterback. We'll hit on that. You'll hear from Kalani Satake talking about the new signees, a whole lot to get to. But, Matt, we open up the show today uh, on a very difficult note. The BYU football family lost one of their own, offensive lineman Sione Vicoso, uh, an offensive tackle who transferred from Arizona State this past season. He passed away in the state of Hawaii, his hometown, and in a construction accident. And he died at the age of 22 years old, a, a wall um crashed and uh he's passed away his his life taken away very tragic deal and and the BYU football family is is mourning at this time horrible news um yeah I was asleep last night when this news broke I woke up to it this morning and was just kind of blown away that that it happened in such a tragic fashion at home with family in Hawaii uh and then it's a just a tragic construction accident this is a six foot seven 305 pound offensive lineman who had a bright future, transferred in from Arizona State. And with all the the shuffling with this BYU offensive line, there was likely to be a significant role for Vicoso this season. But uh, unfortunately, you know, as we mentioned, passed away. Just 
And one of the first thoughts I had this morning, Mitch, too, um, you know, mornings are pretty routine in my household. I'm sure they are for you and for a lot of people. You know, wake up early with my son and we get into the day. And, and having read that news, I just felt like I wanted to hold him a little closer because you just never know when something tragic like this can happen. And I feel so feel so bad for the family because how often do we go to work? We go to work every day. You know, a lot of people work six, seven days a week and and rarely do you have the thought so and so is going to work and we're never going to see him again and 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 that's the case for the vicoso family that uh they probably never imagined and so it's just it's really a a heartbreaking ordeal and he had so much ahead of him just a, a freshman at byu had a long career ahead of him and that was taken away byu football head coach kalani satake tweeted out last night Quote, we are extremely saddened to learn of the tragic death of one of our brothers, Sione Vicoso. His passing is heartbreaking to all of us. We offer our deepest condolences and prayers to his family as we share in their grief. Our love for you is forever, Sione. End quote. BYU Football just tweeted out uh, within the past hour the official GoFundMe uh, for fans, supporters, uh, people to uh, donate to the Vicoso family. You know, Sione, too, is is someone that... Uh, and I know that the football side of things is, is so out of sight and out of mind with these sort of tragedies. But, you know, he was someone that overcame a lot in his life to to get to BYU. You know, when he was growing up as a kid in high school, his, his mom uh, passed away due to a brain aneurysm uh, in 2016. And he was raised by his aunt and uncle. And, you know, he turned to football as an outlet. And when he was a sophomore in high school... His coach was former BYU offensive lineman Joe Wong, who played in the mid-90s, was a teammate of Kalani Sitake's in the 90s. He ended up playing in the NFL a little bit. He said that Sione would be, if he took to football, uh, he could be the next Jonathan Ogden. And, you know, of course, Jonathan Ogden was uh, a Hall of Fame, I mean, legendary, one of the five greatest offensive tackles in the history of football. Uh, lofty standard, I know, but, uh, you know, just spoke to, uh, you know, his talent. And, you know, when he was a recruit, Vicoso got an offer from BYU at one of their summer camps. Kind of sight unseen. BYU didn't know much about him. Joe Wong tweeted, or not tweeted, text Kalani, uh, you know, said, hey, be on the lookout for this Vicoso kid. Uh, he's going to be a pretty good one, and you're going to like him. And instantly BYU offered. He ended up signing with Arizona State out of high school and went on to serve a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Brazil Came back to ASU, and after the mission, you know, sometimes that, you know, kind of maybe clears things up a little bit sometimes for LDS guys where they want to be maybe in a different environment. Yeah. And there's no two different polar opposites in environment than Arizona State and BYU. <laughs> so Vicoso transfers to BYU, and I'll tell you, Matt, it, it's kind of uh, surreal uh, seeing this news. I mean, whenever I, I, I hate, I, I, I hate the thought of, you know, we, we cover college sports, and these are just. You know, they're, they're young adults, and you hate to think of a, a young man having his life taken away at 22. This guy had so much potential, whatever he wanted to do. Kind of a gentle giant type person from what I've gathered as far as his personality and just a guy that really kind of meek and humble, kind of what uh, Kalani Sataki always wants out of his athletes. He kind of embodied that, Sione Vicoso did, but uh, just a tragic deal. And, you know, you hate to see such a promising you know, future taken away, whatever it was going to be, off the field, on the field. These sort of things hit hard for for programs, and it's been really neat to see kind of the 
the football and BYU football families kind of come together through this. Even Utah Governor Spencer Cox tweeted out, Terrible news, our hearts are with Sione's family. BYU AD Tom Homo wrote, The BYU football family mourns the passing of our dear teammate and fellow Cougar Sione Vicoso. May his family and friends fill our love and faith at this moment, sacred and difficult time, that this most sacred and difficult time. Peace be with you now and forever, Sione. Just uh, a tragic deal. I mean, this is something, Matt, that the BYU football program has not experienced in, in a quarter century. The last time an active BYU football player that was part of the program at the time of a passing uh, was Terrence Harvey back in 1997, and Kalani Sataki was on that team uh, when that former defensive back passed. We just just a tragic deal all around. You know what thought I had uh, when I read this this morning too, Mitch, is so earlier in the year, I'm talking about BYU and Arkansas, there was that fan and, uh, interaction with Elisa Tuiaki. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be there front and center for the whole interaction. And the thought that I had today when reading this was, this is college football. Like, I know there's NIL and transfer portal and expanded playoff and lots of money, and it's 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 not an amateur sport anymore, but it's also not a professional sport. Right. And and I just thought, like, especially with these players who, as you mentioned, they're so young. They're young men. They're not fully experienced adults who have all this wealth of experience. They're trying to figure things out. Like, let's maybe let's cut these guys a break a little bit and remember this is still a game of football. Uh and I'm talking about down the road, right? When maybe there's struggles in the Big 12 and fans get frustrated. Let's try and remember, you know, these guys are doing their best. They're young, you know, they're young adults who are, are figuring life out. Let's rather than berate them at a game at Lovell Edwards Stadium for a poor, poor performance, let's try and remember that this is a game. There's more to it than just football. Treat these guys with love and respect. And most fans do. I'm, I'm not getting on a soapbox and calling people out. It was just a gentle reminder to me that when I want to freak out when something isn't going the way that I want them to, let's try and keep uh, the bigger picture in mind because the bigger picture here for Sione Vicoso is that he's not getting an opportunity to play in the Big 12 yeah, because it was it was tragically taken away. And let's try and in those moments where we interact with athletes and coaches, let's be good human beings that uplift and add value to life. Cairo 7, a news outlet in Hawaii, reported uh, Vicoso was part of a six-person crew working on a 15-foot retaining wall outside his uh, outside a home in Kailua, his hometown in Hawaii, when it collapsed and trapped three of the individuals on that crew. Uh, the other individuals are in serious condition. Uh, no, no other pass, uh, no other deaths other than uh, Vicoso. Just, just a tragic situation, Horrible. and you know, uh, it, it's uh, it, it's difficult, you know, because. Uh, the, this was Christmas break. It's it's a time to kind of uh, refresh a little bit because you know football season is a long, uh, long grind. Even for guys that are uh, not playing, he only played in one game this past season against Utah Tech, uh, but still a lot of work being put in to get ready for next season. Because again, he was going to be someone that uh, potentially a starting uh, tackle. You know, maybe switch the slides into the right tackle spot, and then Kingsley goes over to left tackle to replace Blake Freeland. Um, you know, again, that that's you know beside the point. I mean, that that's the last last thing on people's mind right now. But right. Uh, but you know, it, it's it's a uh, it's a tragic deal all around. Sione Vicoso again passes away at the age of twenty twenty or at the age of twenty two. Uh, you can see a lot of reactions uh, from the college football and BYU football community on this, and you know that's one of the great things about um, 
you know, in these tragic times, the outpouring of support and, and memories that people share, it, it can help those that are going through loss. And, you know, I, I just, our, our heartfelt condolences go out to the Vicoso family and, uh, you know, hopefully he can re- reunite with his, his mom, uh, you know, because that is something that uh, it's such a tragic deal. Even the University of Utah tweeted out our hearts break for the BYU football family. We are sending all of our love to you and Sione's loved ones. Utah, of course, has, has dealt with a lot of tragedy in their program with the passings of Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe. I just I just, you know, you got to think as a college football program, it's got to be hard to, you know, see one of your players, uh, you know, pass uh, under your watch. It, it's just a. It's just a difficult thing all around. Even Washington State head coach Jake Dickert uh, chimed in. The Hawaii football program, the New Mexico Bowl, a lot of uh, you know outpouring of support, and of course BYU football players too. Max Tooley, linebacker, who announced that he's coming back for the 2023 season. He wrote, "Heartbroken to see a teammate, roommate, and genuine friend leave this earth so soon. One of the nicest guys I've ever met." Rest in paradise, Sione. And, you know, that's, again, kind of the theme that uh, a lot of people have said about Vicoso is they just a gentle human being. I saw him at the New Mexico Bowl in pregame warm-ups. I'm thinking, man, he's going to be, you know, a special player because, again, just got that that body, that that build for uh, to be a great offensive tackle at BYU. And that bright future uh, sadly gets taken away as, as Sione Vicoso passes away at the age of 22. We're going to take a break. And uh, on the other side, we'll get to some BYU football talk much Lighter news, of course, but uh, we'll get on BYU football talk, the the new additions coming to the BYU program. We take this time out here on Cougar Sports Saturday on KSL News Radio. Welcome back in Cougar Sports Saturday here on this New Year's Eve, KSL News Time, 1223 p.m. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte. Again, uh, in case you missed it, uh, rest in peace to Sione Vicoso. If you missed that uh, story, it's up on kslsports.com. BOE football offensive lineman passed away. Or, or again, thoughts and prayers with him. Wanted to change. I know it's a difficult transition, Matt, uh, but to go to kind of the trivial side of things in life, the actual football. Uh, BYU football had an eventful week uh, this week in regards to the construction of its program for year one of the Big 12 Conference. Most notably, it starts off with Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua. Jaron Hall last week announced that he is officially declaring for the NFL draft. No surprise. Uh, we expected we've operated under that thought, but you kind of wondered maybe there's a thought that he would come back, but ultimately he ends up moving on. Puka Nakua moving on as well, and now BYU's got their new QB1 potentially in Keaton Slovis who transfers in from Pitt. Your thoughts on some of those key moves to some of the faces of BYU football? Let's start with the guys that were on the team last year before we get into Slovis. I I, I love that move by, by Jaron Hall to go pro. I just felt like, man, he had such a good year. I know that he didn't have the wins that he wanted and we all wanted that he had in 2021, but when you take away the wins and losses and you just look at his body of work, he was a better quarterback last year than he was in 2021. And his numbers were better. He was a 3,000-yard passer. His TD to interception ratio went up. It was 6-1. to one. I just didn't feel like there was a lot left for Jaron Hall to prove. He's already older. And it just, to me, it made all the sense in the world. And it's, it's really hard to say at this point where he's going to go. Like, at the before last year, there were mock drafts that had him as high as top 10 to the Seahawks. 
There's other people now who don't even have him as a top 10 quarterback prospect in the draft class. You know, The thing that I would say to that, Mitch, is there's going to be so much moving and shaking between now and the NFL draft. Who knows what can happen? And I've, I've said this many times on the show, Mitch, and I believe this, and I'm sure you agree with me. Jaron Hall's stock is going to go up from here between the end of the draft. You look at Zach Wilson, I, I hate to bring him up, but he's a good example of this. I think teams more than ever want quarterbacks that are mature, that are uh, experienced, that have all the things that Jaron Hall has. And I'm not saying Zach Wilson was immature or inexperienced. It's just you look at Jaron Hall, and when people interview him, they're going to be blown away because this dude is a parent. He's a husband. Like They're going to love what Jaron Hall is because all he cares about is his family and football. That's all that it is. And there's going to be a lot of guys in the draft process that are not going to interview well, and they're maybe not going to test well, and their stock's going to fall. And it, like I think one way that Hall will be similar to Wilson is both of their stocks really skyrocketed after the bowl game, after the season ended. No one had Wilson as the second overall pick. No. But before his pro day, it, you were it was kind of pretty cool to hear him, hey, maybe this is a first-round guy. And then he went all the way to two. Like I don't think Hall's going to do that, but pro day, interviews, they're all going to benefit Hall. He's going to be selected in the draft, maybe not as high as he wants, but to me it made all the sense in the world. I love it. Floor's a lot higher for Jaron Hall than Zach Wilson. I don't know if the ceiling is as high. It's hard to say that now because Zach Wilson is is trending towards being a bust. Let's call it what it is. I think Zach's got to get a new uh, location to, yep. to, to, to thrive in 2023 and beyond. But I think Jaron is someone that absolutely deserves to be a top 100 pick at a minimum. And that, to me, I feel like feels low. I think he's – to me. I, I don't get in college football or the NFL draft. I don't – it doesn't compute to me sometimes how NFL works. Right. Uh, because a guy like Will Levis at Kentucky, and for fans that don't know who that is, but – you know, pretty good quarterback, kind of strange guy a little bit, kind of a little bit of a, you know, boomer bust type prospect. He's viewed as this guy that's next to Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. We're watching Bryce Young right now slice up Big 12 champion Kansas State. He's looking fantastic, probably the best quarterback in the class. Yep. But, I mean, why can't Jaron Hall be in that next grouping after Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud? Why can't he be QB3? I think he's as good as any of the other quarterbacks that are going to be in this class. Because he doesn't have a uh, – I hate to bring this name of you being a Raider fan. He doesn't have a Jamarcus Russell arm. It's an yeah. NFL arm. Yeah. It's not a unbelievable arm, no, and, he's, and he's older. That's that's why he's not he's not in that group. But it's it's ridiculous because you look at some of the guys, especially in the NFC and the NFL that are playing good football. Brock Purdy is looking pretty good. Uh, Jalen Hurts, that guy was dumped by Nick Saban for heaven's sakes, and no one the people wanted him move positions when <laughs> yeah. he got drafted by the Eagles. Uh, Kirk Cousins, that's a guy who's been around. I mean. You don't have to be six foot six. I, you think we'd learn this lesson now in the NFL, but yeah. it'll never be learned. But let's hope for this, though, Matt. Let's hope. Let, let's all Cougar Nation. Let's make a pact right here. You're on Cougar Sports Saturday. <laughs> let's not worry about where Jaron, how high he goes. Let's just hope he goes to a great situation. Yep. Because Zach went number two overall. Look where it's got him. Yep. It's a terrible setup. Brock Purdy, Mister Irrelevant is in a much better situation than the number two overall pick. Yep. Uh, let's hope that Jaron is in a spot where he goes to a franchise that that second contract is there for him, and he can be the face of the franchise eventually. Because 
it's not going to probably be the first round. I'm guessing. No, uh, maybe it could be second. I don't know, but I just feel like it's a. I hope it's a good situation where he is set up to succeed in his NFL career because you go to franchises like the Jets. That in and of itself can always sink a quarterback. We're seeing that with Zach. Fit Wilson. is everything in the NFL. Very few people can transcend fit. So uh, well spoken. Let's take a break. On the other side, maybe let's talk about the new BYU signal caller. Where is he coming from? Who is he? We'll discuss that next here on a Cougar Sports Saturday. Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. Every Saturday, all year long. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar Fans. More Cougar Fans. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maimonte. On your legacy home of BYU Sports. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Happy New Year's Eve, everyone. Hope you're having a safe and, and great holiday season. It's always a special time of the year. We're watching the All-State Sugar Bowl right now. Alabama, Kansas State, college football playoff action tonight. Always a fun time of the year in the world of college football. But I will say, Matt, it's been this bowl season's been different to me this year. I don't know if it's maybe the focus on the transfer portal, but... Gosh, it just seems having that that portal hover over the bowl season kind of takes away a little bit of the, the kind the, of the, it, the fun it, it, of the totally. bowl season. Well, also on TV right now is Iowa and Kentucky, and Will Levis isn't playing. We just talked yeah. about, and you know, credit to Bryce Young and Will Anderson and a Pretty lot cool. of a lot of players at Alabama because that is not the norm right now to play in these meaningless bowl games. So it's it's really cool to see Kansas State and Alabama. At full strength, driving in. I'm glad you bring this up. Driving in, I had this thought. I'm so looking forward to tonight's games, partially because it's not the same names. It, you know, it's TCU, it's Michigan. You know, Georgia is a familiar name, but there's still parts of Georgia yeah. that appeal to the rest of it. Like the fact that Stetson Bennett is the quarterback for Georgia. Like that's a cool, unique storyline. He's not going to be a Drafted NFL prospect. They're undefeated in number one, but I don't think anyone is rooting against them because people don't tend to like Ohio State in college yes, football. Yes, for sure. So th- there's these, there's these, you know, with Michigan and TCU being in it, there's new blood. And but yeah, it, it's a, it's a really good point where the bowl season it kind of lacks the luster because there's so many players yeah. sitting out. And the bottom line is this: I think college football is trending in a good direction with the with the postseason play. No one is going to argue that the expanded playoff is a bad thing. But can we fix all the other things? Like the transfer portal window shouldn't really open up until after January 1. Oh, yeah. And I know that there's, you know, it's difficult with admissions and, and classes starting up in a few days. I get that. But can we wait a little bit? Because when you were down at the New Mexico Bowl, SMU was like, we're barely even practicing. Yeah. We're working on next year. That's that's not that's not great for postseason play. It's it's not. And yesterday, one of the bowl games was the Sun Bowl. Pitt beat UCLA, and you're probably thinking, Mitch, Matt, why are you guys talking about the Pitt UCLA Sun Bowl? <laughs> well, it was a crazy finish, thirty-seven to thirty-five. Pitt won. Pitt though was without their starting quarterback, Keaton Slovis, who was in the transfer portal, and now he's QB one at BYU. Keaton Slovis last week, last Saturday on Christmas Eve, committed to the Cougars. 
And he is going to be likely, Matt, the starting quarterback for the Cougars in year one of the Big 12 Conference. He comes to BYU via Pitt, previously was at USC, nearly thrown for 10,000 yards in his college football career. He's entering his final season, only got one year left. This is kind of an unprecedented move for BYU to have a quarterback that's basically a one-year rental. Your, your thoughts on Slovis coming to the Y? Yeah, I have mixed thoughts about it. Uh I think let's let's start with the good and then I'll maybe talk about the the part that concerns me. The good part is this dude is ultra experienced. Like yeah. I think he's going to come in and there's already been reports that him and the receivers have been texting. Cody Epps is recruiting him to BYU. He's got the rapport already with guys like Isaac Rex. So instantly I think when he walks in there's going to be respect because he played at USC. He had some success at USC. So you don't, you don't have to worry about that. You're getting a professional, and he's made it clear his goal is the NFL. This is this is his last opportunity to, to prove that once upon a time he was looked upon as a first-round NFL quarterback. He's got to prove that. So he's it's going to be all ball for Slovis. Like, this dude is going to be motivated. He's going to be hungry. The, like All the things that you're looking for in a, in a leader, I think you're going to get from Slovis. My concern is purely statistical. When you look at his stats, he has never even come close to what he did his freshman year in 2019. In 2019, and remember, that was the year where JT Daniels gets hurt, and JT Daniels has bounced around a lot. I mean, it's kind of weird that he ended up at Rice, by the way. You were Georgia, <laughs> USC, and now you're at Rice. JT Daniels gets hurt, Slovis comes in, and he looks awesome. He wasn't a highly recruited guy out of the state of Arizona. 30 TDs, 9 picks, 3,500 yards. He just looks outstanding. And and one of those starts was against BYU. Yeah, and that was maybe one of his you know poor games yeah. that year. Uh, BYU did a nice job of turning him over and making him hard. 2020, granted, it was the pandemic year, right? But he only plays in six games. His yardage, and, and, and I'm not even going to get on the yardage because it was six games. The completion percentage drops 5%. And when you look at 19, 20, 21, 22, Mitch, the completion percentage is going down every single year. The touchdown to interception ratio is getting tighter every single year. So this is a guy who has just not played as well as what he did in 2019. So the concern would be, hey, he's played four years now. That's a lot of work. Like you almost said it. He's almost thrown for 10,000 yards. How come he has not reclaimed that form he had in 2019? Is it circumstance? Let's hope for BYU's sake. Or is it just in 2019, no one knew who this kid was. He came in, and then once he got film on tape, defenses were able to figure him out. We don't know. That's the concern. I hope it works out for him. I hope it works out for BYU. It's much better to have an experienced guy. But from a statistical point of view, there are concerns. You know who he reminds me of a little bit? Who? Charlie Brewer. Yeah. A little bit. Who Charlie Brewer at Baylor, when he first came on, was really good, had a bunch of good years, and it just – Every year, it never quite got as good as his freshman year, and we saw how that ended. I hope that is not the case for Keaton Slovis. The past year at Pitt, he completes 58.4% of his passes. You mentioned that 2019 season at USC, his freshman year. That was a Pac-12 record for completion rate, 71.9%, 72%. Uh, he was outstanding that first year. BYU needed a grad transfer quarterback, a guy with a ton of experience, they needed that. They were kind of in desperation mode. I thought that, you know, Sol J. Maiava-Peters, what he did in the New Mexico Bowl, nice performance. Uh, but does that translate over the course of 13 games? Probably not. 
So they needed to get Slovis in there uh, to be the guy. And he commits to BYU. You know, they had a visit from Drew Pine. BYU, to their credit, too, they hit up, you name a quarterback that's been in the portal, DJ Uyungalale. Yeah, yeah, DJU. That's what I was going with. Devin Leary. I mean, they've hit up everyone that's been in that portal. And. They, you know, so they get they get Slovis, who gets comes out here, takes a visit, got a little bit of interest from Notre Dame in this transfer portal process, and he picks the Cougs. And you know, it, it's a good get that it was a necessary get for BYU. But there is that concern when you see the stats are trending down. I think it was Brandon Huffman uh, from Twenty Four Seven Sports. He said on our on our sister station, the KSL Sports Zone, in an interview, he said that Slovis hasn't been the same quarterback. Since his since his bowl game against Iowa in his freshman season, it's just been kind of trending down. And that's someone who's seen Slovis from when he was a high school recruit to now, and that that's the worry. But the good thing is, is that Aaron Roderick and this BYU offense have done a great job of you know turning out some great quarterbacks. They have. I mean, even Soljay put together a good enough performance to win a bowl game. So BYU's had a lot of success with the quarterback position. And I think Slovis looked at this situation and said, "He's it's clear as day he's probably going to be QB1. I, there's no real threat unless they barring, get... Barring you grab like a Brendan Armstrong or someone like that, which... <laughs> but you probably don't get a grad transfer now because, because there's com- competition and you're not going to transfer in the, in the spring portal window. So there's already a grad transfer there. So the next move for BYU in the quarterback room, because I do expect they're going to add another QB, you probably go Juco or you get an undergrad transfer. Uh, so that's kind of the the route you go for BYU to this point because they're they're not going to stand pat. They got to make sure that you need the necessary quarterbacks because think about this year. Even though Jaron started twelve games and played pretty much the entire regular season, you still needed three QBs. Conover goes into the portal. He played a little bit, and then Sol J pulls in uh, you know relief duty in the New Mexico Bowl. You always need at least three QBs, and you've got Keaton Slovis, you've got Cade Finnegan, you've got Sol J. You've got Nick Billups, a walk-on. You've got freshman Ryder Burton, who Aaron Roderick said at signing day, can take some time. He was in an I-formation offense at Springville, had low pers- low completion percentage. But I do like Ryder Burton's maybe potential, kind of that high ceiling, maybe low floor guy, kind of a boomer bust type prospect. Got potential, but you're not going to turn to a freshman in year one. And then you probably add one more arm, and then it's Slovis. So, uh, you know, necessary get... I, I think that it, but it's it, necessary because they botched the situation. Well, and yeah, you gotta you gotta make sure to get one quarterback in every recruiting cycle yeah. and be well. You didn't do that. They didn't do that, and they never gave Jacob Conover a chance. I, I think yeah, that's, that's what bothered. That's what really bothers me about the situation. And this is this has nothing to do with Keaton Slovis. I think now that he's in the BYU family, we're rooting for him. We wish him the best. We hope he regains that 2019 form. But in a perfect world, Mitch, you never have to get him. Because you have Jacob yeah. Conover here for three years, you believe in him, you've given him opportunity to succeed, and you move into that next era. I think that's what everyone wanted, and that's what typically works for schools like BYU, is that you have a guy waiting in the wings. Jaron Hall is a absolute perfect example of this. He waited his time, he came in, he was ready to play, and off he went. They, I, I don't believe that BYU ever gave Jacob Conover a fighting chance oh, to, no. to succeed. And, and, and look, coaches and players may say, well, he didn't earn it in practice. And that might be true. 
I wasn't there at all the practices. Maybe he didn't earn it. Maybe he didn't have the respect. I don't know. I wasn't there. But we have seen so many evidences, Mitch, throughout time at BYU of guys that maybe aren't great at practice but ball out in the games. And Even Solje a little bit. Solje a little bit. James Lark a little bit. Uh, so there's multiple guys, and I just wish – for Jacob Conover's sake, that we could have had a full game where they were letting him run the offense. None of this come in for the third and fourth quarter of Stanford and just run the football and don't do anything. Could we have seen a full game and like, oh yeah, he doesn't have it. Yeah. We got we got to get someone else, or maybe he does. We never found that out. He leaves, and now BYU is in this really difficult situation where you have to go out and grab a guy and, and hope that he pans out. This 2023 season was already fascinating with the Big Twelve. Yep. It's fascinating to see how this is going to work out with Slovis because there is no precedent with this BYU quarterback factory of having a one-year guy that yep. comes in and helicopters in and is just the guy. Right. Like, there, there's no precedent to that. And I'm very fascinated to see how this works out because you're talking about, one, a guy that doesn't have any ties to BYU. He's coming here because the depth chart is clear as day. He's the guy. Yep. Uh, that's why he's coming. And, I think and he wants to get to the league. Yeah. And I, I do think what helped, though, is that BYU has proven with Zach and Jaron that they – Oh, yeah. Maybe they know and, what they're doing at the quarterback position. And I will say, Slovis, to his credit, he goes to Pitt. He thought Jordan Addison was going to be there. Jordan Addison goes to USC. That would kind of change things. Pat Narduz, he's kind of a crazy coach a little bit, very volatile. He changes the offense drastically from Kenny Pickett to Slovis. Yep. I think Slovis thought he's going to go into the offense into that the Kenny, Kenny Pickett ran. That doesn't happen, and things kind of changed on him. I think Roderick is going to tailor the offense to, to Slovis. He's got some pretty good skill position talent around him. You got Aiden Robbins at running back. You got Hinkley Ropati to some. Because I still think BYU, though, I think the identity of this BYU team in 2023 has to be a run the football team. Oh, really? Physical. I feel like it's got to be a physical football team that maybe relies a little bit at times with the defense because Slovis, one of the knocks on him is that ball security. BYU has been outstanding in ball security the past three seasons. They've just been elite, one of the best in college football. They don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. Sometimes with Slovis' teams, offenses, they beat themselves at times. And I just feel like BYU, they're going to still pass. I mean, that's BYU's identity to the core. But do not abandon the thought of, you know, it's got to be a balanced attack. It's, it's got to be, they got to have a, a heavy dosage of, the running game, I, I feel like, because Aiden Robbins and Ropati and Miles Davis, I think, are good enough, and maybe you add someone else, too. You get Nukaluve Hilu coming in from Tuila High School as well, who I think is going to be a pretty good player, too. So I just think that, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how this works out. I, I think that Slovis, he's got kind of high ceiling, low floor. It, it could be a wild— It could uh, be a phenomenal year, or he could be getting benched. He could lead BYU to eight wins. He could lead them to four wins. I don't know. <laughs> right. Like, it's— we're going to be fascinated to watch every step of the way, but it's going to be fun to see how it all turns out for BYU as Keaton Slovis comes to the Cougars. We're taking another timeout. On the other side, we'll get to some more BYU football talk and maybe hit on some New Year's resolutions for BYU sports in 2023. It's Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by kslsports.com. BYU football transfer portal activity continues to roll on. The transfer portal window closes coming up on January 18th, so there's still time for players to enter the portal or for players to you know, end up signing with BYU. BYU had an interesting uh, entry into the transfer portal earlier this week. Kind of a, the, maybe the biggest surprise, oh, yeah. Matt. Gabe Judy Lally 
starting cornerback for BYU, started 10 games this past season. He transferred in as a grad transfer from Vanderbilt. He enters the portal, got two years of eligibility remaining. He's already got a, an offer from Baylor. And Baylor I, is becoming a thorn I, in the side. I was just going to say that. It's it's already starting. The rivalry <laughs> with Baylor. It was this, oh, they're getting ice cream in the stands. This honeymoon phase. We love Baylor. We love BYU. No. Now it's, oh, you got Campbell Barrington. Oh, you got you got Clark Barrington. Oh, you might get Gabe Judy Lally. Huh. This is becoming a little bit of a nasty rivalry now uh, as the recruiting battles heat up on the transfer portal. But losing Judy Lally was a loss, but BYU has also got their fair share of players to commit to the Cougars as well. Yeah. Uh, Before we get to that list, though, can we just take a quick deviation? It's New Year's Eve, so we can kind of go wherever we want to go. I'm not accusing anyone of tampering. (laughs) I want to make that clear. Okay. But doesn't it seem a little odd especially in the case of the Barringtons, they weren't in the portal long before they were off to Baylor. Well, to the same same note, I mean, the BYU's commit last night, same deal. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair <laughs> two point. Two days ago. That's a fair point. Two days ago, Waylon Lapawahu from Utah State into the portal. Then he gets an offer like eight hours later, and then he's committed to BYU. That's fair. So it's, it, it's, it's happening all <laughs> – I guess what I'm trying to say, Mitch, here is – Something is fishy with the portal right now sure. and the way that players are being contacted. It almost feels like in a lot of these cases, conversations are happening before the portal so that if I do go to the portal, I have a landing home. Because we know that there's a lot of guys who go into the portal, and, and this really applies to years previous, but guys go in and never come out and maybe their curves are done. Like one guy in particular, Joe Critchlow, that guy just dis- he went to the portal, disappeared, yeah. never heard from again. So – all I'm saying is, with the portal, can we, like, it feels a little bit like NBA free agency. Can we find a way to tighten it up a little bit? Maybe prevent, and I don't know how you would, but and maybe prevent's not the right word, but if you can prove that tampering is happening, we need a penalty, man. Yeah. We need a big penalty because this is not professional football. I will say there was a great suggestion. I believe it was from someone at Fox Sports, I believe, Uh I'd have to double check, but uh, they it was Joel Klatt, I believe. Okay, jo- jo- Joel Klatt from Fox Sports. He said, because he, he, back-channel recruiting is happening. It, for it, sure. Be, before and guys hit the portal, there is a, is a sense of what the market is for that player, for most of these guys that are starter-level group of five, power five players. He said that if they can prove the back-channel recruiting, find the coach, million bucks. Coach, then the coach is going to tighten up on that. I was I like, love that. That is a great idea. Don't do. Oh, we're going to vacate wins. For, no. Oh, we're going to take away. You don't one get to play in a bowl game that all your best players are opting out. Yeah, of. you get. A, you get. You're going to be banned from the postseason. Okay, who cares? Yep. You know, it, it's just find the coach. Million bucks. I would love that because these coaches now are making that level of money and and maybe maybe fine all the coaches the yeah. whole staff a percentage of what you make and then then hey if i'm going to lose 20% of my salary i i we may not tamper maybe that's hit, the move hit the portal then we'll then we'll talk i thought that is so simple yet that should be the rule start if this is going to be pro sports start finding the coaches like that i love that don't vacate wins don't do any of that nonsense because no one cares about that well before we even get to that point, and I love that penalty, we need to get to, and we'll we'll do this on the other side. We'll talk about who's yes. in, who's out, 
Sorry, I derailed the segment. No, it's good. It's my fault, but we need a, a calendar a, like the NFL. This is when you can do these things. If you don't do them during this period of time, you're getting hammered, like you just said, financially. Yeah. We're not going to penalize the kids no. for not going to a bowl game. I love that because it is just – it's out of control right now. It is. It, it's it's a difficult deal in college football because you've got college football Super Bowl happening tonight. Then you've also got free agency, and you've got like a combine, like all stacked together in one if you're comparing it to the NFL. It's all happening this but month. You also have coaches abandoning their teams right. before the scenes. I remember seeing Luke Fickle on the sideline for Wisconsin. Like, what are you doing here? He's coaching already. You don't even know the players. It's amazing. <laughs> this sport is so dumb and insane, but we love it. I know. I love it. It's like I can't get enough of it. It's just – but the month of December has become a complete joke in college yeah. football. We've got to take a break. Hour number two coming up. You'll hear from head coach Kalani Satake talking about BYU's new recruits, and we'll get, all, we'll get to the new additions out of the transfer portal as well. It's Cougar Sports Saturday here on this New Year's Eve on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.